Fantasy Hot Sauce Podcast, and I am Larry Monkey, and I'm here with Justin Rogers. What up, my man? What's going on? What's going on? Uh, I'm excited. We got a new president today. That's exciting. I was I was doing some tile work, and I had like my iPad sitting there so I could watch the inauguration. It was cool, you know. I thought his speech was great. Just inspiring speech. Basically, just grow up, everybody. Yeah, just grow the fuck up, and you know, come on now, give me a break. And so- see, I really expected him to stand up there and go, "Grow the fuck up, people." But you know, <laughs> really kind yes. of surprising that he didn't do that right there on li- on live TV. It's refreshing, nice breath of fresh air. I've never. I've never seen like an inauguration. I've always been working or whatever, but now it's yeah. like you're home and you're just like, oh, turn on the inauguration. It's pretty much pretty much I, been yeah, consuming everyone's mind anyway. So I literally have never watched one either. So yeah, you know, so. speaking of uh, fresh air, we have a guest who's coming up for fresh air. Oh, been out of the, been out of the scene for a while. Oh, do we? We we might. Oh yeah, you, baby. You know a familiar voice that we haven't heard for a while. Let's welcome to the Dynasty Hot Sauce Pod. Aton Mosia. What's, What's up, going man? on, guys? Man, I am happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. You guys were talking about the inauguration. The speech sounded presidential. Uh, that's the word that I'm going to use. And that's hey. something that we haven't had for a long time. So I'm I'm very, very happy, very, very uh, looking forward to these next four years. But I'm looking forward to this podcast, man. I have so many thoughts. I have so many things to say. Uh, if you've ever listened to the Dynasty Diagnostic Podcast, you know I ramble a little bit. And I haven't had the time or the, uh, the, the, the platform to do that in a little while. So I just wanted to thank you guys for allowing me that and giving me that this time. So basically, Larry, let's just uh, let's go grab a beer. Hey, Tom, yeah. you, got 50, you got 58 minutes. Take it away. Uh, 58 minutes is not going to be enough. You're, you're, <laughs> if you ever listen to my my, my old podcast, oh, you know uh, that we're going to need at least like two hours to get this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I won't be I won't be getting a beer. We're in the diagno. I mean, all of us are in the Dynasty Diagnostic Champions League, and this is a league that Aton started with Stompy and Outhouse. And it started out as just three copy league, which is three divisions of 12 that you can trade players. How did you guys come up with that idea? It's just even like, let's, let's, was it like, let's go big or go home or, you know, this is what we want to do. And then you have the steel component uh, in this league as well. Yeah. I mean, honestly, first off, uh, my condolences, Justin, Graham Barfield, uh, for you guys that know who Graham Barfield is, is in that league. He's an absolute monster. <laughs> so for anyone that's in that division, Graham Barfield wiped the floor with y'all. I actually don't even know if he won. I think he did end up winning the division. But throughout the year, Graham Barfield was just absolutely destroying pretty much the entire league. I looked through the all of the divisions, and he was getting high scores pretty much week after week after week after week after week. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just glad that I wasn't in that division to tell yeah, you the truth. thanks, Aton. Bring in the ringer. <laughs> Bring in the ringer. I feel good because I have a really young team. But come on, Grant Barfield, seriously? <laughs> I got words but, for you, man. I got words for you. <laughs> we'll get to him. We'll get to him, man. Yes. But, yeah, just to, to answer your question, um, so I'm, I'm a big EPL fan. I'm a big Arsenal fan. I probably said this a few places I bleed uh, red and white. I, I'm a gunner for life. And uh, that's actually my first love when it comes to the entire sports world, believe it or not. My first love is Arsenal FC. And wow, nice. in England, there's a promotion relegation system that essentially means that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you. The, the Jets would be relegated. 
All right. The Jets <laughs> wouldn't be in this league. Yeah. And, and I think that's the fairest way to do it. And so what I tried to do with the DDCL is create a league that allowed for that. And so that's why it's so many copies. It first started at three copies. And essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to get to the highest division to be able to be eligible for the biggest payout or to get to the big tournament at the end of the uh, at the end of the year, which we actually had this year, that allows you to, again, uh, be eligible for uh, the biggest possible pot. Uh, so what I was thinking with the DDCL is how do we merge fantasy football and this league style together? And this is essentially what I came up with. It's it's just a multi-division league. I, I feel like I want to add another division this year. I'm not sure if uh, Outhouse and, and I are going to be able to add another 12, but I want to add another division this year and bring it up to even five divisions and probably, probably keep it at five. I think that's enough for the entire league. But um, I just want to bring as many people together as possible and make it possible to go ahead and make those trades that you thought you couldn't. Because there's always that one guy in that league who, you know, happens to be a Bronco fan, happens to have Cortland Sutton on his team, and is never going to trade him no matter what. And that sucks. You, you, right. you definitely want the uh, ability to be able to get the players that you want on your specific team. So if you're in this particular league, you can actually deal with five different or four different people and try to find that player and figure out a deal that, that, that makes it work for you. But that was my thought around uh, creating the DDCL. I just wanted the Dynasty Diagnostic listeners to kind of have a place to to come in, commingle, and and figure out a way to to, to take Stompy down. Because, you know, Stompy was just talking so much crap with winning the uh, the, the, the fishbowl a couple of years back that we need to take him down a few notches. And I, I think we've successfully done that. I like my team more than the results. Although I made the playoffs and ended up losing in the second round to the aforementioned Graham Barfield. Right. But nine measly points. I was in it all the way to the end. I It's kind of confusing to me because I'm just setting my lineup and – doing what I'm told. And I know it gets, it got all, it gets all weird at the end of the season. And I don't even, I don't even know what's going on. And I guess, cause it's brand new and I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm in a bunch of other leagues too. So I have like, like kind of like one eye on the settings of this league. So I know that, I know that all this stuff occurs and then there's just like the special champions tournament or something. Champions and, league. and then I'm just like, I'm just setting my lineup. See, like, yeah, I man. didn't even know about that champions league thing. I knew about the relegation and all that. But clearly, I didn't read the rules and settings thoroughly enough because I was like, where did this come from? That's not the playoffs. I'm like, wait, I'm in the playoffs, but I'm not on that page. Yeah, I kept advancing, but I didn't know what the like the end result was going to be. Like, yeah, I, I played you, Aton, like in one of the final weeks, but did it, was our game meaningful or was I not going for- to not for the Champions League. For the first year of the Champions League, it was mostly the top division that was in that Champions League. But what we're going to do moving forward is now, not only do you have an incentive to constantly get promoted to be able to be eligible for bigger and bigger pots, you have the incentive to win and to get as close as you possibly can to winning because a certain number from each division, a certain number of teams from each division is going to be eligible for that Champions League at the end of the season. And essentially what the Champions League is, is it's bringing all the best teams, all the winningest teams from all the divisions together in a tournament to then battle it out for who's champion of the entire pyramid. So the entire pyramid is battling against each other. The way it works is more more, more teams from that first league, I think 
going into next year, it's going to be six teams from that first division are going to be eligible for the Champions League. And then as you go down the division, it's going to be fewer and fewer teams. So you have less of a chance to get into that tournament based on where you are in the pyramid. But everybody has a chance because if you win your specific division, then you're automatically entered into next year's Champions League. So Larry, I actually think we we met in the finals. We met in the right. finals of our division. And so because I, I happened to get lucky, and I, I'm saying it right now, I got lucky. I don't know what happened because I, I, I will. I, in fact, let me let me back up. Let me start to tell the story. I was in this. I was in this division. I was just getting my butt whooped for week one to week five. I was getting my butt whooped pretty much day in day out. I had Juju on my team. Juju was not producing, and he right. was one of my main players. Tyreek, of course, he, he's, he's Tyreek Hill, so he'd have these blow up games that kind of kept me in it, but. I wasn't doing anything. So what I said I was going to do was, screw it. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and push the reset button and sell all my assets and see what I can do to actually be competitive in the following season. So I ended up making a trade. I forgot who I, who I actually traded for, uh, who I actually traded, but I ended up making a trade for Antonio Gibson. Yeah. I ended up making a trade for Hunter Henry. And I sold all my quarterbacks. I had Cam Newton at the beginning of the season, who, if you remember, in the beginning of the season was actually balling for a few games. Right. I had um, I had Daniel Jones at the beginning of the season. I mean, he wasn't great, but he's a young quarterback and in a super flex league that's obviously got some value associated with it. I had Dwayne Haskins as well. We're just not yeah. going to talk about Dwayne Haskins oh. <laughs> in this podcast. But I, have um, too. I, I was trying to sell as much as possible in this league, and so I did. I sold off all my assets, or at least all I thought what my sellable assets were, and I somehow ended up winning like nine games in a row after that. And so <laughs> I was confused because the, the what I was trying to do was tank, but I'm so bad at fantasy football <laughs> that my tanking roster ended up winning the league. So now I'm going into that next league massively underpowered, but at least with a whole bunch of picks, even though my pick is going to be one of the lower ones because I ended up winning the division. Yeah, you got a you got a nice pick, and and if you love trading, then you want to be in a copy league. It's the best part about being in this league because because you're not making a trade with somebody, you're making a trade with four people because you send the same send the same deal out. Or if you think the the other person that you want to trade with is not as skilled as another person, you can kind of like adjust your trade offer to different folks and try to get the same person. Like I blasted out. I, I've been trying to get second round picks. So we had a Ricky Valera of the Debbie Delight on last week. Telling us, he, and he was telling us the second round is where it's at. You know, just load up on those second round picks in this league. How many second round picks are there? There's there's 48 second round picks, right? Did I do that math right? right. I don't know. So that's how that I mean, works. You're right. That's a lot of second round rounders. I'm like, I'm looking at my roster. And I'm like, what do I want to give up for second rounders? And I'm like, oh man, you 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 have this steel component. We've talked about this on on, on past episodes because we, we usually touch on on this league pretty much throughout the whole season, where you can steal a player off someone's taxi squad. Uh, and in doing so, you lose the pick higher than when they were drafted. Did I say that right? Yeah, so, basically. Yeah, absolutely. It's the it's the compensation pick. Um, as you lose players in free agency in the NFL, teams get a compensation pick if the player was paid within a certain range. So the way that it works in this league is you can steal a player on a person's taxi squad. If somebody wants to be cheeky and maybe tries to not promote their best rookies. And if you steal this player from a taxi squad, so for example, 
say you're going after a guy like Brian Edwards or Denzel Mims, who was probably drafted in the second round of last year. You would have to pay a first round pick to be able to steal that player off the taxi squad. But, but there's no negotiations in that. If the person's not paying attention, the person doesn't see the notice going up. That player is yours no matter what. They right. still get that first round pick, but if that if that player happens to be a gem, then you just made an obvious profit, and uh, you didn't necessarily have to negotiate with that one. Right. So I took advantage of the of the steal on two occasions this season where I made a trade. I traded like Tevin Coleman and I don't know some other scrub for a couple of third round picks from from Dynasty Outhouse. So I had a, some third round picks. Then I combed the entire um, league taxi squads and I was looking at everyone's taxi squad. And then I went to the, the rookie drafts where these uh, picks were made. And I and whoever was drafted in the fourth round, I was like, all right, I'll put in a steal for this guy. It's a third round pick, whatever. And I knew this one guy that was not paying attention to his team. He, I knew he was only checking in, and he ne- he would never respond to trades. He had DJ Dallas on sitting on his taxi that he drafted in the fourth round. Uh, so I put in a steal for him. Ended up with DJ Dallas, cost me a third round pick. So now I just have him sitting on my bench. I did the same thing for Tyler Johnson. So now I'm trying to pass. No one seems to want to give up a second round pick for DJ Dallas and Tyler Johnson, which is is what I'm trying to accumulate out of those two guys. Or do you think I should leave those guys on my bench and they might have a, a more prominent role next season? Put them on your taxi squad and see if somebody <laughs> will give you a DJ Dallas is an interesting case. Uh, DJ Dallas is is one of those guys who I think is, is just in line to be replaced next season because Chris Carson, uh, we don't know what he's going to do. Obviously, he's a free agent this season. Uh, we don't necessarily know where the Seahawks are going to go with that. But, I mean, another offensive coordinator on the Seahawks was, was fired for passing too much. So here we go again. Uh, we're going to have uh, just a, a team that's going to be focused on, on, on rushing. So if it's not going to be Chris Carson, I expect it to be a rookie. If it's not going to be a rookie, I think another thing that we're going to talk about in this podcast is just the plethora of extremely talented free agent running back uh, that are going to be in this class. It, it's it's almost silly when you look at this list. It's, uh, it's, it's guys like Aaron Jones, for example, are free agents this year. And that's not even talking about – the rookies, the Najee Harris's, uh, Williams is coming in uh, to 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 the league this year. So it, it's it's going to be kind of crazy, and it's going to be kind of crowded when it comes to RBs. So I think a lot of people are in line potentially getting replaced. So DJ Dallas isn't necessarily one that I would look to keep. But on the flip side of that, and I think you should hold on to this player for this specific reason. You actually sent me this trade, and I rejected this trade, but. Here's the caveat to that. Tyler Johnson's going to be worth something next year. Mm-hmm. Tyler Johnson's most likely going to be worth something next year because him and Scotty Miller are pretty much going to be in line for the targets that Chris Godwin is no longer going to get on this team. Cause I don't think that as currently constructed, that team is going to be able to retain Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. And then obviously Antonio Brown is, is also going to be a free agent on this team. Both uh, Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown are free agents next season. We've already seen, However much you, you don't necessarily like Tom Brady if you're one of those people or you love Tom Brady if you're one of those people anyway, yeah. he's effective in this offense. He's going to make plays in this offense. He's going to be one of the passing leaders in this offense. We've seen it. And Tyler Johnson is necessarily in line to get a bump in targets and a bump in value next season. If I'm on this podcast next year and we're having this conversation about Tyler, Tyler Johnson – 
I suspect that you'll be happy that you didn't trade him for a second. Oh, Tyler Johnson's a home. I like it. Yeah, baby. Tyler Johnson. So those free agent running backs, they are pretty. I mean, there's a bunch. The rookies are are pretty nice, too. And and, I mean, they'll just increase in value as we get closer. Uh, But there's a lot of a handful of openings, teams that need that RB1. And um, Ryan McDowell passed something around on Twitter today that just it was just an overview of the current state of the RB position. I thought it was pretty interesting because it just tells you running backs really don't last that long because there's a Justin poor Atlanta doesn't have a, he's a, he's a Falcons fan. Um, no running backs for Atlanta. They had a running back since Michael Turner, basically <laughs> the, burner. <laughs> the burner. Let's get a beat up arthritic Todd Gurley, bring him home. Yeah. Hey, I mean, you guys, you guys are probably in line for. I mean, if not one of those rookies, because you probably shouldn't be spending a draft pick on a rookie if you're Atlanta. Honestly, you have more pertinent needs on the offensive line and on defense. But I mean, in the free agent class, imagine Aaron Jones in, in black and red. Yeah, you know? see, I don't think Aaron Jones. The only problem is that Aaron Jones doesn't go anywhere because they're gonna they're gonna tag him if they don't he's, work out a deal. Uh, you think? They apparently <laughs> were offering him more money this year. On a on a per year deal, they were offering him more money. They were offering him to, top five money. So what's that? Twelve and a half mil a year. Well, the franchise tag is ten mil, ten point eight, something like that. I can't remember. So if yeah. they franchise him, they pay him less than they were where they were wanting to pay him anyway. But if you're Aaron Jones and you're franchise tagged, are you playing? That's the thing. I think that's the question that needs to be asked. How much right money has Aaron Jones made in his career? Not not a lot. He was not a third much. or fourth round pick, like right? Exactly. I think he was a fourth rounder. He's not made anything. He's made pennies so far. If he gets franchised and gets $10 million, he's not, he can't sit that out. He doesn't have that kind of leverage, you know, like a first round running back like Melvin Gordon had that could sit out because they, you know, their fifth year option was, you know, a nine or $10 million. That's, that's a good point. But Le'Veon Bell was kind of in the same position. Le'Veon Bell wasn't a first round pick either. Le'Veon Bell wasn't a second round pick i believe Le'Veon bell was a third or fourth round pick himself and yes people kind of laugh at Le'Veon because they say that he left money on the table but at the same time he's still getting paid in a way that an injury wouldn't have allowed him to get paid moving forward so i, I do think that there's still a possibility that i mean nobody knows what's going to happen with these running backs moving forward i mean there's a lot of b-level guys out there too so i mean uh, even marlon mack would look good in black and red and i think marlon mack is probably another under underappreciated guy that that can make some noise yeah. As at that RB one A to a to maybe a rookie or something like that can make noise potentially next season. Yeah, there's I mean there's a few names on that list, but it does seem like it's a it's a pretty old list. You know, you got Chris Carson who isn't actually old but feels old. Kenyon <laughs> Drake is old but doesn't feel old. You know, James <laughs> Conner can't stay healthy for the life of him. Gurley is he's got more arthritis than my grandmother. James White, Lindsey Fournette. It's yeah. not a whole lot on the bone there. Not as far yeah. as guys that you really want carrying the load in the team. It was such a high – we all had high hopes for this offseason and running backs moving because there were so many last July. And then by September, all of them had signed contracts, and it was, you know, well, it's just a regular normal, normal running back class, you know, that's going to be a free agent this year. So it was kind of, eh, whatever. The quarterbacks are what's going to be interesting to me, but – the running backs this year, there's just there's a handful of names, but I don't think there's anything that's going to like blow people away. Say what you want to say about Aaron Jones. If he stays, who knows? But if he goes, he's going to be an interesting name on right. that list. I think there's an RB1 in Leonard Fournette. 
I really do. Um, a volume RB1, I'm not going to say he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but if somebody gives him 20 touches, he's going to produce. Um, Chris Carson, yeah, we don't necessarily know about injuries, but I think he's kind of on the same scale with Leonard Fournette, probably with better hands than Leonard Fournette. Um, everyone else, I, I can definitely see what you're saying. James White, Lindsey, Kenyon Drake, Le'Veon Bell, especially after what he didn't do this year in, in, in Kansas City. I don't necessarily know if you want to you want to you know hit your wagon to, to those guys so much, but I do think that there's two to three guys. with the dog. It's all right. We're, girlfriend's we're home. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> there's three or four guys that you're going to be able to to do something with if you're a gm that's looking to save a little bit of money because next year obviously the cap is going to be impacted by covid yeah. um so you're gonna have to be very careful with your rookie picks because you're probably going to want to save as much money as possible i know rookie picks at rb are are, are, are pretty simple but because of the deflated cap, I think it's going to be easier to get these guys on one or two year pretty cheap deals just because there isn't going to be that much money floating around. And you're going to probably be happier with somebody like uh, Lennon Fournette than, than maybe a rookie that might not necessarily hit the ground running. There's a couple names on here, or actually one name that's on here and one name that's not that, it, that interests me. Gus Edwards, who I wonder if the Ravens bring him back, but I like him. And then a name that's not on uh, Ryan's list, Wayne Gallman. Oh, I, I like Wayne Gallman. I think he's going to be someone that could draw interest. We don't use the term often for running backs, but a bridge running back, you know, where they bring in a second, uh, second or third round rookie and have Wayne Gallman in there taking the early season snaps. Yeah, that's uh, Gus Edwards is absolute gem of name that you brought up. I'm actually really happy that that, that you brought him up because yeah, Gus Edwards is one of those guys that. People kind of make fun of. He's maybe the, the the butt of some jokes, but then you look at his numbers and you look at his, you know, actual production in that backfield and his yards per carry in that backfield compared to Dobbins and what Ingram was able to do or wasn't able to do and so on and so right. forth. And you realize and you squint a little bit and you're like, but <laughs> like yeah. I don't get it. He, he he's a stereotypical potter, but he's good. So yeah, he's he's another guy that I think can can, like you said, be that one A. Wayne Gallman, um, I think he has all the tools to be a, a good running back. I, I think Wayne Gallman can be an early down runner as as much as he can be a, a pass catcher like we saw uh, this year. But, I mean, at the same time, people have been trying to draft over Wayne Gallman since Wayne Gallman's been drafted. <laughs> so I think that, that tells you a little bit something about Wayne Gallman as well. Right. That's fair. That's fair. Phil Rivers is finally heading off into the sunset with his gigantic family. What do you think about, I mean, we've been, no one really expected him back next year anyway, really. I mean, everyone had, everyone had Wentz on the Colts. Darnold was on the Colts. Um, they were drafting a guy. Now that it's a reality, what are your expectations for the Indianapolis Colts quarterback position? That's an interesting one. Uh, Indianapolis Colts quarterback position. You would ideally think, you know, from a team building perspective, Cheapest guy, right? And cheapest guy is automatically going to be a rookie. But, but I don't necessarily get that. You know, and they got the money team. anyway. They've got exactly, the money. and and this team has a little bit of cap, so I do think that they're looking for a veteran to bring in. And all those names that you mentioned, I think, are possible assets that are going to be available just because 
of the influx of quarterbacks that are out there. We haven't even talked about guys that, you know, are still on teams. James Winston, he's going to be somewhere next year, most likely starting somewhere next year. We still don't necessarily know what's going to happen if the, uh, the Deshaun Watson, you know, domino falls. Yeah. If that falls, that's going to have a cascade effect. And hmm. we're going to see even more guys kind of uh, on that list of, of guys that could potentially be new starters elsewhere. So personally, I'd pick a veteran to land in Minneapolis. It just doesn't seem to me like a team. If how close they are right now with their offense, with their defense, and with that running game and that offensive line, I feel like this is a team that's looking for a veteran to win now and maybe will draft a rookie in the you know second late second late third round to go ahead and maybe take over that position a couple uh years from now uh, watson his agents throwing out all this weird stuff about new york and miami would be my pick man that's where i think he's going i think he ends up in miami somehow that I mean, just makes the most sense right two and then two first two and the three might get it done they might not even have to put the, the 18 in there i think that could get it done you know, GM of the Houston Texans, are you taking that deal? What if you don't have a choice? What if you don't have any leverage? But you do, because you can, because there are thirty teams that want Deshaun Watson on their team. I mean, but maybe he, not thirty. But well, like well, but the only teams. problem is, the only problem is, he has a no trade clause. He does. So yeah. there's not thirty teams. There's maybe a handful of teams because they don't have the option to trade him. He's got to approve any deal that they want to make. You know, basically. But I mean, that's that's one of the complications in this whole situation is that yeah. he's not going to the Jets. I don't think. I don't. But think the counter complication to that is fine. You have a no trade clause. We actually just signed you to a new contract. So fine. Sit there with your no trade clause for the entire year. Don't play, lose all that money, and we'll do the song and dance again. You can just as easily do that. You can play hardball with him if you want to. Now, what his agent is trying to do is his agent is trying to put out as much noise as possible, like you guys were mentioning before, to get things to move as quickly as possible. But the team has leverage in the contract he just signed. So it's going to have to be a give and take. Yeah, I I just think that at some point they'll have to take what they can get kind of thing. Which, you know, honestly, Tua and, and the third overall pick is not a bad haul. You're talking about the fifth pick in last year's draft and then the third overall this year. Did Tua really float onto the scene this season? I mean, he Are was we judging of- a rookie quarterback who missed the end of last year and didn't have a training yeah. camp? Are we judging I, that? Yeah, part? I understand both arguments. I think it would be a little premature. To just yeah. be like, yeah, he's no good. So. But yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think we know what Tua Tagovailoa is right now. Right. I think we've seen a few things that we can take away, and then there's obviously more to the story that we don't know about. I think the things that you can take away from Tua is he's going to be accurate. He's going to be safe with the football. He might be closer to a Teddy Bridgewater than you know a gunslinger, right. maybe, just based on what we've seen so far. But I don't think he's going to be one of those guys to to really get in in the position to you know have a twenty pick season or anything like that. Also, he's somewhat mobile. Again, we, we spoke about how he didn't get a training cap, how he was still healing from the injury previously. Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama was running around people. He is mobile to an extent that we didn't really see that much this year in Miami outside of his first game when they actually let him run with the ball a little bit. So. I do think that there is an upper echelon to it that can maybe get to Deshaun Watson, but uh, I, I just I, I do think that there is enough leverage with the Texans that several first round picks on top of any player, if that's a Gilmore or a quarterback, is going to be what's going to have to happen to get it done. 
I think there's going to be a, I was telling Larry right before we came on, I think there's going to be a domino effect of quarterbacks this year. But we've seen it in the past, but there's some bigger names this year. Matthew Stafford could move. Matt Ryan could move. What's going to happen with Jameis? All these pieces moving could change the way that things happen in the NFL. Where Jimmy one- Garoppolo got to add to that. Yes, yeah, that's true. Garoppolo, he's got a, they've got an easy out on his contract if they want it. So, I mean, there's a lot of players that we could see moving. Mitch Trubisky is gone. So, well, at least we assume he's gone. Maybe they give him a one a two year contract, one year guaranteed, you know, and see what happens for one more year or something like that. Have, but, have somebody else in as backup to you just just in case. Right, somebody that's an actual legitimate quarterback <laughs> instead of Nick Foles. You know, who, you know who's not gone? Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Taysom he's, Hill. He's signed for 16, 16 mil, right? He's not going anywhere. I don't. I mean, somebody has to explain Taysom Hill to me like I'm five. Like I don't. I understand it. Somebody yeah. needs to explain. I don't know either. And I don't sound like I don't want to sound like the biased Falcons fan, but he's not good. He's not good. Now they won, but I think they won in spite of him, not because of him. And that's probably part of the problem that, that it is. But what the is only it? issue is they've got no cap space. That's really they don't have an option to bring in anybody else. And I don't think they have an option to even keep Jameis. I think Jameis is gone because they can't afford him. Somebody's gonna give him what, 15 mil a year probably for two or three years? I don't think that's unreasonable. So but a buddy of mine sent me a text message this morning, and he said, what's Taysom Hill worth? Now, to me, Taysom Hill ain't worth really – isn't worth nothing. I'm not a Taysom Hill guy. I'm not on the Taysom train, Wait, Taysom Hill so train. You just, you just said you don't like Lamar Jackson, right? Uh, I just don't like I'm just not in on Taysom Hill. I don't know. He just no. doesn't – he's not as um, – I don't know. He just doesn't do it for me. I also he's didn't like Stephon Diggs last season. and You'd see how, how that went down for me. But yeah. you know, I, I was a staunch believer in Stephon Diggs. I will remain a staunch believer in Stephon Diggs until the day I die. But going back to Taysom Hill, if Taysom Hill was 26 years old, I think we're having an entirely different conversation. That's Because weird. then you're saying, okay, he can involve as a passer – there are different things that he can do. Obviously, Sean Payton is a good enough coach to get him in positive situations, game in, game out. We've already seen what he can do on limited reps. Taysom Hill is going to be a decent starter, but he's not. That's what people forget. They, they look at Taysom Hill and it's like, he is the heir apparent. He's the future quarterback for Drew Brees. How old is Taysom Hill? Oh, 29 years old. Oh, 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 oh crap. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's not such of a, a future piece. And I, I think that's the issue with Taysom Hill. You're not going to have that long to develop a guy like Taysom Hill. I think okay. for that reason, he's not going to be – he can't be anything more than a stopgap for me. Okay, but so here's here's a, a parallel I wanted to draw, and I'm glad you brought up the, the age factor. Ten so minutes. you've got a quarterback who is basically the same guy down in Philadelphia. And by down, I mean way up in Philadelphia. I mean, what's the difference between Taysom Hill and Jalen Hurts outside of 38 – 40 years of age difference, you know, a Larry monkey age of difference. (laughs) That's the difference though. That's the thing. That's exactly what I'm talking about though. Are we talking about a one year window for each of them at most? We're really being honest here. We're just spending a year. We're not looking for 2023 production out of either of those guys. Right. Mm, I I would argue with you. I'd push. I mean, I I wouldn't argue with you. I'll say this. I wouldn't argue with you. I would push back just a little bit with that. I think Jalen hurts can be good. I think Jalen Hurts can be good because if you see his college, if you see him in college, if you saw his college tape, at Alabama, he wasn't necessarily an accomplished passer. 
Right? No, he was terrible. He was running quarterback. Okay, so I'm a Georgia fan, and going into that national championship, I said if Jalen Hurts is a quarterback, they can't beat us. Absolutely. And then, and then they put Tua, Tua in there, and I don't want to talk about the rest. But you know, I was right. I mean, they couldn't. They could not beat Georgia with, with Jalen Hurts. But, but if you look at Hurts on OU, that's a different player, right? They're, they're honestly absolutely. not the same player. And I think, if anything, he's shown the capability of advancing rapidly when it comes to his passing mechanics and when it comes to actually getting things going through the air. And I don't necessarily think he's going to be one of those guys that needs to chuck it through the air. I think this year, this offseason, especially with the number of tight ends that that team has and how that team has run with tight ends uh, during the course of the last few seasons with Carson Wentz, when Carson Wentz was an actual real-life NFL quarterback, I think they're going to look at Baltimore and be like, okay, so we're just going to copy We're just going to copy everything that you do, and we're going to get an offense that's built specifically for this guy. It's primarily going to be a runner and get you those shot plays. And I think Jalen Hurts is good enough to do that. I don't necessarily think the Saints with a guy like Taysom are good enough to do that. Because even if you look at like a guy like Alvin Kamara, what's Alvin Kamara's best trait? Receiving. Yeah, and it's it's out the window. It's out the window completely with Taysom. Exactly. So it doesn't necessarily fit as seamlessly as it could fit in Philadelphia with Hertz having some time to learn, and then obviously Sanders, and then obviously those tight ends that they still have, even if Zach Ertz ends up leaving. Yeah, I think the biggest concern I have about the two is that Taysom Hill's situation is better than Jalen Hurts' situation. Taysom Hill doesn't have any competition next year. I mean, I just don't foresee them being able to bring anybody in, and I'm not sure that Wentz is gone. You know, we all uh, thought he's, he's Wentz is out of here. I think huh? Wentz is gone. I think Wentz is gone. I see, mean, Lurie likes Wentz. That's the reason that Peterson is no longer employed is because he wanted to move toward Jalen Hurts permanently, and Lurie's like, no, that's not. We're we spent too much money on Carson Wentz to be like, no, we're going to give up. We're going to give up on him. Why would you draft him in the second round and then play him? And then he had a nice end of the season. Is the guy who drafted him in the second round still on the team? I think we can agree that it was probably a, a mutual decision at at worst between Peterson. And All right. Rich. So what's what's Taysom Hill worth? So I can uh, tell this guy. <laughs> We've been talking about it so long. And the whole point is we're talking about fans. Okay. So I put a poll on, on Twitter. And I'm just like, like I said, Taysom Hill isn't worth anything to me. Put a poll out on Twitter. Late first, early second, mid to late second, and a third. And the third is 53%, mid to late second, 36%. Did you like put Superflex in super capital letters? I wrote Taysom Hill price check, 12-team Superflex. Wow. A third? Yeah, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed. to. You're not going to get him for a third if it's a Superflex league and we find oh, out he's the week one starter. But here's my thing. I have been burned every single time I've tried to make a win-now move in fantasy. Every time. <laughs> every time I get burned. I think if anything I've, I've learned from that, it's stop, <laughs> you know, just don't do that. <laughs> if you see a guy that could potentially be valuable for a limited window, don't be the guy that buys into that limited window because even best case scenario, if it works out for you, best case scenario, if it works out for you, you pay a second for Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill's a starter for one year. Are you getting any return on that after that? Probably not. On the other hand, and this is what I like to do, Early in the offseason, I like to buy players whose value is a little depressed. And now that the season is over and Drew Brees played the last few games, people are kind of off the Taysom Hill train. So I think you buy them for a second, and then come September, you can sell them for a first. 
That's the kind of profit move I like to make. Assuming so, Jalen isn't starting. Well, they can't afford him. They're like $95 million over the cap. It's something ridiculous. You have to understand that the Saints have been over the cap for the last five years. Yeah, and that's the problem. See, this is, you know, when people say the cap is fake, that's the issue is that it's fake only to a certain point. You can only restructure and push back contracts. They've been restructuring Breeze's contract to keep up with this. Well, Breeze's contract is gone now. They they can't restructure anymore. They're, they're up against it this year. This was basically, 2020 was their all or nothing year. They knew they had nothing left in, in the future it's going to be bad it's going to be real bad there they're going to shed a lot of contracts they'll dump a couple of pieces they'll figure it out i'm sure they'll i don't know i can't see them running it back with Taysom hill next year you see i I just i don't see that happening i just don't see a scenario that happens and even if it does happen i doubt it's a full season solution i'm sure you know six eight weeks into the season we're seeing whatever random backup they brought in hopefully swag kelly (laughs) <laughs> Starting. Oh god. So Justin, you'd give up a second for Taysom Hill. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. All I'd right. give up a second because I think as soon as he's starting, I'm I'm forecasting that the Saints can't bring any anybody okay. of name in. And that's kind of what the thing is. Like they can't afford to bring anybody with a name. And if you don't bring anybody with a name, then you don't have to worry about you know right. somebody pushing him Taysom, out. Of the and Taysom Hill has already stepped in when Breeze went down initially. So one would think right. that he would have the, the upper hand. He certainly, if they bring in someone that's not of note into the fold, he certainly right. got the week one you know, job lockdown, basically. They might have to take a step back next year. So it's entirely possible. Unless they trade for somebody, but who knows? I just Again. said I just said that so I could say, oh, trades. <laughs> Larry, what are, what are you paying for, for Taysom? Larry's not paying for Taysom. I'm be. not going to pay for Taysom Hill. I'd have to know he was starting, and I don't know. I, I wouldn't give up maybe a, probably a third if I had to. But I definitely would not give up a second for Taysom Hill. I'd rather roll the dice on. I'd rather throw the dart somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think that second, uh, even in a super flex, I mean, what was what was Hurts? Hurts was a late first, early second last season. That's going to get yeah. you uh, – that's going to get you somebody. I mean, that's going to get you – Lance, if that's not going to get you Lance, then it's going to no, get you. It's going to get you Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, kind of. It's going to it's going to get you Mac Jones or Kyle Trask or you know one of those guys. There's going to be so many quarterbacks drafted into decent situations this year that I think that pick is going to be more valuable spent on a quarterback who at least has a chance yeah. of starting a few years down the line. Yeah, the quarterbacks will push all of the wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends further down into the second round of that rookie draft. And you'll be able to jump on them with them second round picks. So, man, it's DDCL, man. I'm passing down. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm spraying, spraying offers all over the place, man. <laughs> I didn't need that kind of visual either. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hose, Justin. That was a hose. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So, so we had some trades that went on the last week in a couple of my leagues. Let me get your take on, on what you think, Aton. So in this league, this is in the Dynasty Warzone Listener League, which is a 12-team sleeper league, 1.5 tight end, super flex. Here's the deal. Johnu Smith, McFarland, and the Michael P. Ryan, or the 2-5 and 2-8. So it's the 2-5, 2-8 for Johnu Smith, Anthony McFarland, and the Michael P. Ryan. I'm gonna let you start with this. How many? And there's this is a nine starter league, twelve team shallow rosters or shallow starting rosters, one and a half premium. 
Yep. I'll take the I'll take the picks because I just don't care about McFarland and P Ryan. Like right. in, in the grand scheme of things, nine starters and two of them are going to be quarterbacks. So really, you're only talking talking seven position players. Man, whatever. I'll take the picks over Johnny Smith. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Um, I mean, unless Johnny Smith becomes what Mark Andrews was not this year, but last year, uh, then you're probably losing money uh, on on making that deal. And yeah. um, I mean, Corey Davis is, is going to leave most likely because I, I don't think the Titans can afford him after his performances this season. But I mean, they'll just draft another wide receiver. It's not like that. There's going to be this gaping hole of uh, you know vacuum of targets that people honestly love to, to to talk about when when trying to hype up the next receiving piece and whatever offense is losing uh, one of those valued guys. Um, I think the the main proponent of this, uh, Peter Howard on Twitter, pretty much says it best. There's no such thing as vacated targets, and um, I, I do think that Johnny Smith, he's probably somewhere between what we saw at the beginning of the season and what we saw at the end of the season. It's probably right. a happy between the two of those, which is you know T six, which isn't bad, but I think T six can be anyone on any given week. I think we've seen that over the last few years. Right. Yeah. I, I had the picks. I'm collecting picks. Uh and I just unloaded some of these pieces just to, like I said, throw that dart in that second round and see if I can lasso somebody that might be a worth a lot more than than that package i have 10 of the first 21 picks so uh, hopefully to do some damage and i have a nice starting lap in this league i wanted to ask you when you made this trade because i think that's one of the most important things that your listeners are going to want to know because that that is everything okay i made this deal eight days ago everything we're talking about on this is going to be real recent deals yes yes yes. basically yep in the last week one thing i would say is it's not a bad trade for you now as it is um, 205, 208. Um, I, I think that's probably going to net you at least one halfway decent player. You're probably going to get a Johnny Smith back from that right. deal. That's that right. said, yeah. if you made this decision in the middle of the season, you would have gotten more. You would have gotten probably a lot more on this deal. And I think that's the important thing. You have to constantly be evaluating your teams and understand kind of where the wind's blowing quicker than everyone else in your league. And if you can do that, you will profit. Because the only reason that I was even able to move a guy like Cam Newton, the only reason that I was able to even move a guy like Daniel Jones, the only reason that those things were possible is because people were looking for points then and there, here and now. Now that they're not, now that it's the offseason, people can kind of wait on the veterans. You're going to have more people you know, taking time to think these deals over, going through the different machinations of the different ways that this could work out or maybe not work out for them and not necessarily being able to put their, their, their first foot forward on these deals because anything can happen during the off season. I want to dabble in uncertainty when it comes to buying players, like, like Justin was saying, but I want to make sure that when I'm moving guys, I'm moving them at the very, very highest pinnacle of value and for veterans, that's always midseason. It's like Nakamoka Jiva land right now in the trade. The trade winds are blowing. No one is looking outside their windows. They're not interested in, in making deals I've seen. So I'm like scraping. So I'm like a, a trade junkie, a trade addict. So I need to 
that fix. I just like, first of all, I like the getting the picks right now. I feel like picks are just going to increase in value as we get closer to those rookie drafts also. Uh, and I know McFarland could, could potentially have a starting role next year. Connor goes, and I don't think much of P. Ryan. You know, John o. Smith, we've been expecting John o. Smith every season. I know it takes a little longer for tight ends, but at the same time, I'm tired of waiting on John o. Smith. Every time someone, a tight end catches a pass in the end zone, you know, it's like one of three chances that it's going to be Jonu Smith because they got all those other tight ends there that, that like to catch touchdowns in the end zone. Roll that dice and make some deals uh, during the rookie draft. And uh, Would you have considered a 2022 first or a 2022 first and maybe a third? Probably not because I wanted to get into the I wanted to get get into the second round of this this draft for me. It's it's a lot. It's more about having fun, you know. And it's like, oh man, he shouldn't have done that. That guy's worth more than than that, and this and that. And I don't know. I'm a I'm a get your guy type of guy. I know, and I'm all about getting collecting future firsts. But uh, in this particular instance, I was going after this guy's seconds. Um, if he came back to me with a first, I don't know. He'd have to throw in a second too, and I'd probably take it. If he threw in like a 22 first and maybe the two eight or something like that, maybe I would have taken it. But I really, I, I was really focusing on, on just getting some second round picks to add because I, I already had five first. So th this deal gave me four second rounders and five. I mean, this is like I have a great starting roster in this league. So this, these ten picks will basically just fill my bench and just add depth. And uh, I'll I'll be a win now. Uh, I'll be a win now team next next season. Do you have any interest in maybe moving any of those picks on draft day? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm open to moving all the picks and accumulating players and picks. I just like the idea of wheeling and dealing. The fun aspect of it. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, you guys probably have it too. I get it. I'm a trade addict too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's how I wanted to do it. I went for the two picks. I didn't care about these. Well, everyone's being tight now also. So Larry, was this your only trade of the week? No, I made one more trade and this was in a 1.75 tight end. Oh, you guys going to, you guys going to, this one, Juju and David Montgomery or Mike Williams, the one five and the three, four. Go ahead, Aton. Uh, Juju and just just Juju basically. I wouldn't even need David Montgomery <laughs> added to this deal personally. And I honestly think David Montgomery is going to be one of the traps uh, going into next season because of how awesome he ended this season. Um, I think people are going to overdraft David Montgomery going into the 2021 season. But but yeah, I mean this is Juju all the way. And the thing that I think people don't understand about a wide receiver like Juju, about a wide receiver like Chris Godwin, about these guys that didn't necessarily have the years we expected them to have but are now going to be free agents, is people were so scared of wide receivers moving teams. Stephon Diggs is just one of the wide receivers that we've seen that have shown that's not necessarily a bad thing because Juju was on a team with two other 1A type receivers in Claypool, in Deontay Johnson, regardless of what you say about Deontay Johnson. Chris Godwin was on a team with Mike Evans and the whole cast and crew of everywhere, with, with Gronk and AB. And, uh, they're not going to necessarily have to worry about that type of volume squeeze going into their new situation because the team that signs them is going to sign them for a reason. <laughs> they're going to sign them because they have a void at the receiver position, and they're going to be signed to fill that void rather than be an add-on to. So Juju Smith-Schuster specifically, 
he actually had a decent year. I think if you look at his numbers this year, he still had a pretty decent year. He didn't have that top five ceiling that we all thought that he was going to have two seasons ago, but I think he might even be in a better situation than he was this year, next year, on a new team with an actual quarterback that can throw the football, number one, because Ben Roethlisberger was washed two years ago, and on an actual team without three other guys that are going to be as much of a target hog as he is. So I think people that are buying low on those types of receivers right now, with the uncertainty, I think this is the perfect area to dabble in the unknown because I think you're going to profit dabbling in the unknown, getting a guy like Juju, getting a guy like Godwin on your team right now before anybody knows where these guys necessarily land. Yes. Well, I had the 1-5 side, so... (laughs) <laughs> what I wanted to do, so my thought process behind making this deal was I needed a, I needed a quarterback. I, this is an orphan I took over, and so I, I have no affiliation with this the guys on this team or on this roster. So it's kind of tough getting these guys to engage in in trades. And I know it's at right after the season, and no one, everyone checks out for a little bit. But I was raring to go, and David Carr and, and Tom Brady. Or the only quarterbacks. I made a couple of deals. I ended up with uh, I have now I have Baker and Darnold in addition to Brady and Carr. Uh, but I wanted still working to flip players and quarterbacks. And the one five, I'm looking to most likely draft a quarterback. And I'm not done making moves. I definitely get that. When when I'm rebuilding, I, I completely stay away from the running back position. I try to acquire running backs last. So I'm always trying to go after quarterbacks and go after wide receivers. Quarterbacks specifically for trade purposes, like you said, because they're worth a lot more. And then wide receivers because wide receivers tend to hold their value over several years. So, yes, if you're rebuilding, I can definitely see where you're coming from. I'd still probably rather take the Juju side because I do think you can move DeMont for a decent quarterback. You can move DeMont for one of those older guys that maybe people aren't necessarily kind of high on right now. But right. um, I, I can see where you're coming from trying to build quarterback first. I think that's the proper way to do it. Yeah, the guy wanted Juju, and I'm like, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? Bam. Let me just, I'll just, let me just do this and get my pick. I'll get the pick. And, you know, like I said, I'm accumulating some, some first rounders and stuff. And I don't know, but let's get into this next trade because this is a curious one. Justin made in another 1.75 tight end league Baker, Mixon, and Marvin Jones. That's Baker Mayfield, Joe Mixon, Marvin Jones, or the 1-2 and the 2-2. Two, two. Why don't you start with this, Larry? I would probably take I would probably take the Baker side. I'm a Baker Mayfield guy, number one. Joe Mixon, that team's going to be much, much more put together next season. And Joe Mixon's a stud. He's still young. He didn't touch the ball that much this season because he was all banged up. Their offensive line is going to be improved. Joe Burrow is going to be back. He'll have another year under his belt. Yada, yada, yada. Marvin Jones is just kind of looks, sounds like the throw in piece here. The one, two, what's the one, two in a super flex? If you're doing it, if you're taking anybody but Justin Fields in the super flex, the one, oh, two, you're doing it. Uh, I mean, right now, probably take the Baker side. I think the one, two with Justin Fields, and then you'll probably get a nice, Ooh, you get a nice stud receiver there. Now I'm looking at two, two, the 14th overall pick. I don't know. I'd probably go with the proven Baker on the upswing and Mixon coming back with something to prove. So I think Baker Mayfield has shown us this year the type of quarterback that Baker Mayfield is going to be moving forward in fantasy, which is probably a high-end QB2, right? He's going to be one of those guys that you're not going to be mad that you played, but 
mean, he's not going to be the reason you won. You know, you're going to get a tread water at the QB spot. Joe Mixon, you can go all over the place with Joe Mixon. You can you can see roses ahead for Joe Mixon. You can see a graveyard ahead for Joe Mixon, just depending on how you choose to look at this. So me personally, it depends where I am uh, team-wise. And I know that's kind of a, a cop-out answer, but I'm probably going towards the picks on this one if I'm looking for upside. If I have a team that has a lot of Cooper Cup-esque, Jarvis Landry-esque talent that can kind of just hold water and I need to go ahead and push for those star guys, then yeah, the cheapest way to acquire a star guy is to go after that 102 and that 202. Because yes, in this draft, you're going to get a good receiver at 202. But if you're a team that, you know, has one running back or you're a team that has serious quarterback issues and, and maybe only has one or two guys, maybe had Rivers who just retired on the team or Breeze that just retired on the team and you really need to fill those roles, then I can understand it from that perspective. But me personally, I'm probably going for the upside here, even though the upside is uncertain. I'm actually interested to hear what side of this you're on. Hold on, just real quick. And also that one too, we've talked it out. I mean, those picks are just going to keep getting more valuable. And the yeah, one for me, that one two is like a that that one two is a one four, yeah. a one ten, and maybe huh. like two yeah. eight or something. So yeah. you can even do it that way and end up with the volume as well as having quality. Pieces. You could get a player and two picks from the one two if you if you if you wanted. So you want some context on this, Aton? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I took this team over. Uh, it's a trade axe league. I took it over a couple weeks ago. I need a little bit more depth now. I, the team is ready to win. When I took it over, it had Dak and Deshaun Watson. Of course, Dak was hurt. It has Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. Okay, Saquon was hurt. So this team ended up with the 102, but it's also got A.J. Brown, Stefan Diggs. Who left this team? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Brian. Chris Godwin, Irv Smith. So it's got a – it's a solid team. I mean, it's it's a really solid team. So now I go from – you know, trying to figure out my, you know, another flex spot or whatever to now I have Jacobs, Saquon, and Joe Mixon to plug in with A.J. Brown, Chris Godwin, Stefan Diggs, et cetera. So I, love, I feel I love really that, that context because, yes, that's exactly what I was saying. If you have that high upside already, if you have those uh, potential game-changing players on your team, then yes, at this point, it's just a matter of filling in holes and adding depth in the event that somebody gets injured. So from a team-building perspective, this absolutely makes sense for a team that already has pieces to compete. Yeah, and to me, honestly, I'm not trading for need right now. I'm still a value trader, and I think that Baker and Mixon are worth more than the 102 and 202 because I think Mixon's still worth a first-round pick. And I, I like Baker – as like you said, a high end QB two, you know, for his age, he's basically the highest end QB two you can get out there. He's not scoring more than the Staffords and Matt Ryan's, but he's also 15 years younger, you know. I mean, than than a few of these guys. And then on top of that, the other added bonus to this is this gives you the ability to do what you want to do. If you get a stupid offer for Saquon now, you can take it, right? Because I have a running back to plug in. There. Yeah, yeah, because you have and, two running backs. And there's the talk, you know, okay, well, Joe Mixon's hurt all the time. Guys, he's played – he just finished his fourth season. He's played 14 or more games the first three seasons. 
You know, yeah. it was 14, 14, and 16 those first three seasons. So it's not like he's missed a ton of time. He's a typical running back who has been dinged up and missed a game or two here and there up until this past year. So to me, that doesn't scare me at all. I still like Joe Mixon. If you're buying Mixon now, you're buying him low, regardless of kind of how you feel about him. You're buying right. him at, at probably the lowest price he's going to be for the next couple of seasons, assuming yeah. that Joe Burrow's knee works next year. Look, Aton's going to turn into a pumpkin again, so he's got he's got to get away from the airwaves before things get crazy for him. Oh yeah, so well, oh, yeah, so Aton Mosier, my man, what do you got going on, man? When is when are we going to hear the dynasty diagnostic? I want to bring it back. It is going to come back. Like I said in the chat, it is not dead forever. Uh, this is definitely a temporary thing. Uh, the diagnostic hopefully will come back for the 2021 season. Fingers crossed. I'm talking to Stompy as we speak, so we'll see what happens with that. But, but yeah, man, it's been an absolute blast. Again, thank you guys so much for bringing me on. I, I just, I, I love to to be back on the airwaves again. And this 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 is one of the highlights of my week. This got me pumped. Nice. Can we find you on Twitter? Just go ahead and shout out to to, to the Dicey Diagnostic handle. That one will at least stay the same. And uh, and I'll be able to, uh, to 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 talk to whoever wants to to have a conversation with me. I always love talking about football. I always love talking to you guys. Well, all right, all right, all right. Let's wrap it up, baby. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. One more time. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Hot Sauce Podcast. Larry Monkey, Justin Rogers, talking Dynasty football, baby. Come get. Started.